Welcome to the Boys Season 1 episode of Binge Watch Bays. I'm Caroline Shrigley. And I'm Joanne Tam Fuller. And we are here today to talk about the boys. Um, This is a show that I have loved. I think it dropped in like... 2019 was the first season so we're kind of doing a bit of a throwback here but I finally just in the past week or two convinced Joanne to try it and watch it with her husband Jake and she was skeptical because I was like it's superheroes and that's so not her thing but she was after watching it like oh my gosh this is so good we need to do an episode on it so I was very proud that she actually listened and took my recommendation and ended up liking it so hopefully some of y'all might listen to this and well there's going to be spoilers but maybe it'll get someone to watch it that hasn't because it really is really good okay so caroline sold it to me two years ago as it's super gory it is about superheroes the end i was like <laughs> okay like I'm, hard pass yeah i'm not great at description but yeah um, but i is. loved it because three main things they have great hooks like they've got these things that they allude to throughout the season like compound v Compound V and um, what happened to Becca Butcher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the entire time they set it up where you're like, hey, I really want to know what's going on there. So I love the hooks that they gave. I also love the characters. And I think they do such a good job giving the background to each character, mainly the superheroes, because Caroline made a good point whenever we were chatting before this, is that they give great background to the superheroes, but kind of leave everybody else a little bit less developed. But I love the superhero backgrounds. And then lastly, if you didn't know, I spent a few years of my early career in PR in a corporate setting. So I think so much about these situations and what I would do if I was that PR person. I'm like, these people. Ashley? Yeah, like Ashley. So I probably would have been like Ashley's like very lowly assistant at that time, but like writing press releases. Um, whenever I got into the world of PR, though, there wasn't social media as much. It was not what it is today. So it made me laugh because of I just imagine like you're Ashley in that situation where you're like probably you just got home from a long day of work you're getting a glass of wine and it's like oh your client starlight just has a video release of her where she's beating the shit out of someone (laughs) and i would have probably just been like all right i guess i'm gonna go back to work now so it was really interesting thinking about it from that perspective i did not even think about that for you and how you would like relate to that part of it but that's so true for me, my favorite character and the thing that, not that I related to him necessarily because he definitely has a better handle on life, I think, than I would in these situations, but I love Huey. I think that Huey is kind of like the avatar for the audience and just like the everyman who has to live in a world with these soups and like as the audience member who's a normal human, like we are kind of supposed to relate to this world through Huey. Although as you learn and as the series goes on, Huey has almost a super natural ability to be calm and act cool under pressure. And I was talking to you, Joanne, about like this. It it always is like amazing when they have the way the camera reacts and like what the audio is doing anytime there's a crisis with Huey. Like, you know, they, they zoom in on his face. He's sweating. He's breathing shallowly. There's, you know, you, the music is like evoking a heartbeat and it's like thudding out of control. And you just know he's about to spiral and have a major panic attack and like freak out. And then the music stops. It goes calm. And suddenly he pulls some miraculous bullshit out of his ass and just like saves the day or does something so competent. And it's like, where did that come from? And he's just like a cool as a cucumber. And so 
he was my favorite character for sure just because i love the way they play him as like this kind of on the surface like bumbling you know not idiot or anything but just like this guy who like works in a random tech shop and sits on the couch with his dad and watches tv and just like doesn't have much like you know like most of us probably do just has like a normal kind of boring life but then when thrown into these extraordinary circumstances like he more than picks up the mantle and so i don't know he was my favorite but i can see how you would relate to like the vaught of it all and like the corporate atmosphere oh absolutely and kind of a caricature of what it is but so going back to huey i adore huey and two things about huey one, I did not realize that he's Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid's son. Wait, I knew he was Dennis Quaid's son. I did not know he was Meg Ryan's yes. son. Yes. Oh, wow. And so I was thinking, so I had no idea that that was any relation. I was like, oh, Jack Quaid. I was like, I wonder if he's related to Dennis Quaid. And I looked up and, yeah, his mom is Meg Ryan. Wow, I did not know that. Well, I don't know much about her as an actress. Like, if I mean, I know who she is, but if you asked me to name something she'd been in, I don't know that I you've got mail was that her yep okay that's probably the only thing i could name is like you've got mail but clearly comes by his acting talent honestly then because that's another thing like i have notes here and one of the notes that i wrote was like they passed this show so well and every actor plays their part so incredibly well like there's not a dud among them there's not you know how some shows like for instance i just started i tried to start watching that new netflix show that dropped um first kiss it's like teenage vampires and vampire hunters i don't know it seemed like it'd be right up my alley i think i got 15 minutes into the first episode and i was like the acting is so bad i can't do it couldn't watch it and this like there's never a moment where someone overacts or something's cheesy or like they don't you know hit the right emotional note in this scene like they are all knocking it out of the park 100% of the time yes so I, I actually had that in my note about how sorry so back to Huey though the other fun fact about Huey is he has a cleft chin and I FYI guys my husband has a cleft chin <laughs> and I've come to find that I always I'm like oh this actor is so attractive <laughs> and hilarious. 99% of the time I'm like oh they have a cleft chin so I have this like subconscious attraction <laughs> to cleft chins it's when I realize I'm like Henry Cavill like I'm really into you and then well. for obvious reasons but then I saw his cleft chin and I was like yeah that'll do it or a dimpled chin <laughs> or sometimes colloquially known as a butt chin love it so anyways so i love huey a lot and you're so spot on about the casting like i think about homelander he's got this like very general like good looking guy right like very symmetrical like great features but he's got this menacing look in his face that i feel like is only his and like i don't know how they did it but he is perfect that actor is perfect for homelander he needs an emmy because it it's something about like they'll you know they'll close up on his face in a moment and he's beaming to the cameras and doing his like smiling i am homelander and in like a it's like a minute facial muscle change of some sort and suddenly you see the evil and it's like the this actor has just like superb facial control i don't even know how to describe yes, it like it's he a emotes s- so well Yes, and it's like just a slight eye close, a slight change of mouth like movement, and it's totally different emotions, and he conveys it so well. But yes, I was obsessed with the casting. Do you have any breakout favorite characters besides Huey? So I actually really wanted to talk about this because I need to, we need to do a little bit of like a 
psychological breakdown on this for me. My favorite character is Frenchie. <gasps> I'm obsessed with Frenchie. Me Frenchy. too. I love him so much. And so I had to go back and rewatch season one prior to this episode because I'm I'm obviously like I'm on season three and it's been what 2019 since I saw season one. So I had to refresh my memory. And I knew that I loved Frenchie and I especially loved him like after season two and into season three. But I when I started watching season one, it kind of hit me as I was watching the introduction of the character and like seeing, you know, how they um, portray him in season one. I was like, wait, do do I actually like Frenchie the character? Like, did I fall in love with Frenchie the character because of the way that he is written or did I just really like his accent <laughs> because because I was like wait there's some stuff going on here that's like not that likable I mean he's kind of like a druggy criminal and he like has a random affinity for Kamiko before like there's any reason for him to have one like he is acting with reckless abandon when he releases her and is like wait 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 don't kill you know i mean he's like i feel it in my gut she is she is harmless and i'm she like is no, one of us no she is not one of the spice girls she is flat out murdering dudes left and right like what are you talking about you have a gut feeling like she is brutal which of course it works out in the end and he was right and his gut was right and that's great and all but like i do have to wonder like when he said that after so butcher does the whole speech about the spice girls and how they're better together but apart they're just a train wreck and he was and then later frenchie uses that against him and is about kamiko is like what if she's a spice girl and i'm like you have zero evidence zero evidence to support the idea that she might be part of your team like none obviously it works out for him but i'm like why did i like him so much the first time i really think it might be just the accent because it's super hot i think it might so I, I know you guys probably remember this from our Bridgerton episode, but I am like a rule follower girl and I'm attracted to dudes that follow the rules. But something about Frenchie just supersedes that rule. I, I don't know what it is. I love how he calls Huey Petit Huey <laughs> and I love how he calls Kimiko Moncor yes. my heart. And I've also been calling all my dependents my heart or Moncor. Um, but I, something about him that balances this level of, yes, has a drug problem. Yeah. <laughs> yes, obviously he's an illegal arms dealer and has no problem with killing superheroes. But there's this element of, oh, what the right word is, but like almost like he has this sense of justice that supersedes what normal conventions would say justice means. Well, it's like you see him take to this girl that he sees as a victim from the jump like she doesn't i mean she was being kept in a cage so she like nominally was victim like in the beginning when he encounters her but she also as soon as she was released from that cage goes on a murdering rampage and a man literally shoots himself in the face to avoid her murdering him horribly because she's that vicious and so it's like he sees that and still sees victim i want to take care of you and like that vulnerability in her that like no one else is seeing the vulnerability they're just seeing the crazy claws and like well she doesn't have actual claws but she uses her hands like claws and you know ripper basically person but he sees that so i'm like there is some of that like you just like he has clearly a good heart but also i kind of wondered if his like adoption of her almost like his like championing of her with some sense of like seeing himself in her because with oh, Cherie, he seems like he's a almost a victim of Cherie. like Cherie controls him and is very like 
you remember the scenes with Cherie, the black-haired girl that was like his lover but was like giving him yes. orders and he just kind of had to do it yeah and he was kind of like in a way it was like i think he saw a bit of himself in Camino and was sympathetic to that yeah no i i mean he talks about it whenever they're in the train station and they're in that tech store and he's like you're a lot like me you're just trying to get home i remember when my dad kidnapped me and then he shows his um cigarette burn wounds those are awful that part of your did you have a cry count on this one oh yeah I thought, when I saw that scene, I was thinking, like, I bet Joanne cried. <laughs> did cry. It was very, I mean, I'm sure I don't like to compare traumas or horrible things, but anytime, like, children are involved, I will absolutely cry. And so thinking about Frenchie as a child being tortured like that was horrific. But net-net, we both have this crush on Frenchie. <laughs> Can't explain it. If anybody else has a crush, man crush... Please let us know. I'd love to hear your take on why. Okay, you know, going back to you saying you like a rule follower and, like, you're into that, it's funny because now that I'm thinking of the characters, I'm like, Mother's Milk is the rule follower. Like, he is, like, the yes, family here's man. the plan. And yes, yep. like, we're going to do this the right way. Like, I am going to, like, be a good husband and, like, all the, you know, he's very, um, like, very rule following. And it's funny because I remember we were talking about the characters whenever I was kind of bringing up, like, they don't really flesh out the humans as much as they do the soups. And you were like, we were kind of going over each human character. And you were like, I'm sorry, I'm just not interested in Mother's Milk. Like, I don't care about him. And I'm like, it's funny because he's actually the one that, based on your criteria, you should be interested yes, in. Yes, but I feel like they don't give him enough interesting lines. Yeah. And they kind true. of, I feel like they painted him a little bit more one-dimensional, to your point of... They don't yeah. flush out the They don't flush out. And, like, he's not mysterious, right? Yeah. We, it feels like what you see is what you get. He's a rule follower in terms of, like, what's the plan? Let's have, it like, a set of action steps. I want to keep my family safe. And he's a great, admirable character. I just feel like they painted him a little bit one-dimensional. Yeah. I, I don't know. Hopefully we get to see more of him in the future seasons in terms of making him more interesting and, like, what made him him. You know, there's a scene in particular in season three that I think doesn't really go into his backstory like a flashback the way that some of the other characters get, but does have Butcher kind of explain like what he saw in him as a okay. team member in the beginning. And that does go a little way to explain, but it's kind of a short scene. It's not a whole lot to it. Uh, but that, yeah, they do. They kind of leave him. They just make him seem like he's very good at being told what he's do. He he's very smart. He follows his intuition. Like whenever he goes after A Train's race, he goes to Popclaw's apartment. He felt he like had this intuition to check up on her whenever there she was she stole oh. compound a little vial of compound V. So gotcha. I think he's a great like detective or, you know, I don't know, investigator. But I do feel like they just paint him as okay, like this is what you get. There's almost yeah. no layers here. There's no character arc, so I'm, I'm hoping for it. Because gotcha. he is a very likable, admirable character. Yeah, no, he is. Speaking of Popclaw, <laughs> one of my notes is just, I literally just wrote, Popclaw scene. What the fuck? This, this scene where she pops that guy's head. Oh my gosh. This is like, it's the epitome of what is so good about the boys is they do the most ridiculous shit. So like, of course, having this soup that is insanely strong, literally squeeze a man's head until it bursts 
as she's orgasming while he is like tossing her salad. I don't know, or whatever he was doing. Hilarious. I get so not something you'd ever think that you're like, yeah, that's the kind of TV for me. And then you watch it and it's just so ridiculous. It's like, it's so good. Yes, I agree. (laughs) That scene was wild to me just because I did not see that coming in a million years. No. And, you know, you get that in the very beginning of the episode of season one, or first, sorry, the first episode where Huey's girlfriend Robin is annihilated by A Train. Yes. That kind of sets that scene where it's like the slow motion, he's talking to her, and suddenly it's like everything's in slow motion, she's gone, and then slowly we see these drops of blood flying at his face, and then it camera pans out. You see the, the whole annihilated, bloody body just suspended in midair because we're still in slow motion, and then the camera pans down, and he's holding her hands, and they're still intact. I'm like, that set the scene for what this series is going to go on to do because it's all just, like, so over-the-top ridiculous and gory, and I love it. Yes. I typically am not a gory person, but it's campy yes it's so very it's campy. not too offensive to myself but yeah, there's nothing realistic about it like that's the thing i'm also to your point like i'm not into gore and like i don't want to see a bunch of like blood and guts and stuff but then when they do it in the show it's so over the top and i'm not saying over the top in the sense that like it looks fake like it's good cgi or whatever <laughs> but it's just like so ridiculous that you don't have to be grossed out by it because it's like people don't explode randomly yes when someone runs past you know what i mean so it's Absolutely. just like it's not super gross the way it could be but i do i love it i don't know um I so also about A Train though, you know that scene where Huey going to I think a convenience store to pick up something to eat and A Train is everywhere. Like he's the soda person. Oh, Here's yeah. you know, he's like advertising a Red Bull. I cannot imagine if someone you loved was murdered by a famous person. Famous a famous <laughs> person that you just see everywhere. It would be wild like the constant reminder so like everywhere he turned a train was there i just i don't ever want to imagine in a world where that happens to someone yeah it it kind of really gets like brought to the forefront whenever butcher and huey go to that like soup survivor support group Yes. And I will say, my favorite story was the writer who was like, I was sleeping well, no, with Ice Princess. He's Seth from marketing at Vought. Yes. And yes. he's also, so The Boys is a show that was created by Eric Kripke. Eric Kripke also created the show Timeless, which starred that actor who plays the writer who had his dick snapped off. And so I love whenever there's connections like that where like a showrunner or a show creator brings actors from other projects they've worked on on because I loved that actor on Timeless. And by the way, guys, Timeless, wonderful show. One of those shows that got canceled too soon, but enjoy what's there. Watch it. Highly recommend it. Um, But anyway, so I loved him on Timeless and then to see him on this, which I watched Timeless after I watched The Boys and I didn't put that together until I rewatched season one this time and saw him and I was like oh duh it's an Eric Kripke show but the <laughs> the scene where he's talking about his dick getting snapped off and then he says the crazy thing is I still miss her <laughs> and then Butcher stands up and is like 
you know, throwing out his, you're a fucking cunt. Like, she doesn't give a shit. Did you ever think she did it for a laugh? And it's like, he has this complete different viewpoint of the soups. But the people in the support group, like the woman who'd been paralyzed and was like, I'm so thankful that whatever hero it was saved me. I just wish he'd been a little more gentle with my spine doing it. And it's like, they can't bring themselves to even say, like, I'm mad at this person. Like, they ruined my life. I did wonder in that support group if it was sponsored by Vought or like, oh, that's right, because a lot of them probably had to sign NDAs or whatever it was. So yeah, I was yeah, yeah. confused slash curious as to who paid for that support group and then what they can technically say. And I thought it was interesting that Billy really took Huey there to show him like, you don't want to fall in love with Starlight. You don't want to like get too involved so i thought that that yeah. was really interesting but yes ice princess and the dick issue <laughs> weirdly funny shouldn't be so funny like it was, it was but so funny. very it's part of the like unexpected humor of wait i'm sorry what did you say oh that was such a good scene and I especially love the line where he was like, no one wants to fuck the writer because you know whoever wrote that episode, like that was such an in-joke for a writer to write that. You know what I mean? I love things like that in shows. Love it. But also, I thought that that scene in particular really highlighted the differences between Billy or Butcher, like Billy and Huey, because nominally, Billy and I'm going to call him Billy, sorry, but Butcher, Billy Butcher and Huey are very, very similar in the fact that both of them have lost the woman they love because of a soup and specifically one of the seven, you know, Homelander. Well, as we find out, did not kill, but he thought killed his wife, Billy's wife. And then a train, of course, kills Huey's fiance, Robin. But girlfriend, I thought they were engaged. Okay, sorry. Well, engaged, whatever. I mean, not engaged. Sorry. But um. So anyway, Butcher clearly sees in Huey, like, oh, he gets it. Like, he is going to be my little protege because we've both had this horrific thing happen. The difference is Butcher is a revenge machine, and it is all he cares about, and he can't see the forest for the trees. He can't humanize a soup because because Homelander killed his wife. He doesn't think that any soup can be good. Like, they're all terrible and awful, and obviously they're— at the end of the day, they're human. They're they're all different. Some are good, some are bad, some are a mix of both, like most humans. And Huey has the ability to see that. He can fall in love with Starlight and you and know she, she's not like the rest of them. Right, right. Right. But I think that even even I don't think that Huey has like the heart for a vendetta against a whole group. But like even if he hadn't fallen in love with Starlight, I don't think that he would have that same level of like vengeance mindedness that Butcher has. Oh no, because Butcher is so single minded, right? Where he turns down that deal with Rainer and the CIA because they wouldn't give him Homelander, even though it gave them everything else. Yeah, and that yeah. really made me mad. I also, I know that everyone grieves differently, but when he confronts Becca's sister about putting up a tombstone, oh yeah, and then, and then he goes, I was so irate because yeah you can believe whatever you want to believe right that she's still out there and that's fine but if someone else wants to grieve that way why are you not allowing them to do so and so for me i he he probably he redeems himself later in season one yes whenever he talks to rainer and is like hey please protect mother's milk's family as well as huey's dad but in that moment I know that he's really hurt. I I just felt like it was not the appropriate measure for someone else that's also grieving a loved one. 
Also, I'm noticing another parallel now between Huey and Butcher because Butcher takes a sledgehammer to this tombstone because he's so pissed that they would dare to, like, you know, assume she's dead and put up a monument. And do you remember the scene where Huey destroys his bedroom? I was watching that. First of all, my first thought was, as an actor, those must be the funnest scenes to play. To just get to go ham in a room and, like, destroy whatever and, like, go crazy. Every scene in any movie or TV show where a character gets to just, like, break shit and destroy things. I'm like, God, that's got to be so fun to do. But I was, like... In Huey's case, he's also having, like, a rage moment of grief and acting out, but he's only destroying his own things. Butcher is destroying someone else's stuff. Like, that kind of, to me, showcases exactly how the two characters are because Butcher is a rage revenge machine at the expense of all else and does not, like, selfishly does not care about anyone else. Huey is not. Huey does not want to hurt anybody. Huey is obviously full of rage and grief over Robin, but would not act on that at the expense of other people. And so like whenever you can see it in his face when he's like kind of playing Starlight at that expo like to get to Ezekiel and all that oh, like yeah. it's hurting him to do that. Butcher would have had no problem. But like for him, for Huey it's like he obviously feels guilt in that moment. So that's like another big highlight between those two characters that makes him very different. And obviously it makes me like Huey more. Also speaking of that episode where Annie goes to the religious conference that might have been my favorite episode of the season but I think Annie's backstory with the the crazy stage mom who we then do we find out in season one that her mom basically like had Vought give her compound V as a child so she'd be a soup I can't remember if that was part of season one or not but sorry spoiler if you haven't watched season two and that was not in season one my bad um but anyway Annie's pageant mom and like her like very like you have to be the perfect christian example and you know like stand up and talk about how you're a virgin even though you're clearly not like all those things i just i love that so much she's like that goes to her like the heart of her like she is a performer and like people pleaser people please yeah she's a people pleaser like she's been pleasing her mother and she's been like the perfect pageant girl who has to please the judges her whole life and so like She's obviously such a good person deep down and actually does want to be and do good, like clearly, and very, very worthy of Huey, I think. I think they're a great couple, but um, seeing that background of her with like having to please her mother and just like kind of be in like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Unbittered. What's the word like when you're, you owe someone I can't remember the word I'm looking for, but like her mother is like guilt tripping her at all times. Like, look what I've done for you. I got you here. You have to do this for me. My friends are watching. And I'm like, oh, that broke my heart for her. And it really, so then when she then goes to stand up and be like, no, I don't know that I believe any of this. Y'all are crazy. And like, this is not what I thought it was. Like she starts noticing all the signs about like marriage between a man and a woman. And she's like, wait, was this always here? Like what? And then she like talks about her sexual assault on stage. That was such a good moment because it had just followed the, her mother being like, you owe this to me. And then she's like, you know what? You're just like the rest of the seven that I'm now learning are terrible. Like everyone fucking sucks and I'm going to stand up and do something about it. And like, I love that moment for her. I do too. I'm interested to see if they'll go further into her father's story and why he left. I'm going to have to rewatch season two because now I can't remember if they do or not. I fascinated by their dynamic and yeah I love the fact that she did the Little Miss Hero pageants and I guess the talent is you do your 
whatever your like superhero abilities are right which right. then i'm like do you add stuff on top of that like if you're if you have like telekinesis do you use it to like juggle balls in the air like i'd be interested to see what a little miss hero pageant would look like it's like oh i can play the piano with my mind <laughs> i can play the piano with wind gusts from my hands i don't know i think that that would be funny to see a little scene like that okay real quick let's talk about the superhero powers you had asked me if I could have one of these uh, supernatural people's powers, what would it be? And I have been racking my brain and I really don't know the answer because so, okay, here's the long and short of my answer. Any power that I can think of, like of any of these people, like maids or Homelander or Starlight, whatever, the deep, almost all of them have such a downside that I wouldn't want it. And some of them, the downside is just, like, the responsibility you would feel to be saving people all the time. Like, if you had Homelander's power, yeah, you'd feel, well, I would feel obligated to constantly be using it for good. And then it's like, you'd feel guilty anytime you just, like, wanted to stay at home and watch TV because there's people out there dying and you could be saving them. You know what I mean? Like, I see. with the great power comes great responsibility. Refrain is so true. So, like, I would not want that responsibility. Now, you were saying that you didn't like the deep's powers, but I... I would never want to be able to hear that many more creatures' voices. Like, well, I've also... Here's my bias. I would never want to be able to read anyone's mind. Uh, agreed. That's Fully one thing agreed. that I would never be interested in. Yes. Mind control? Sure. But reading other someone's... <laughs> someone else's minds and... Minds... <laughs> reading their minds and thoughts it's not for me same i never ever want to know what anyone else is thinking but i don't think i would mind knowing what a fish is thinking i mean it would be probably uh, to your point it would be sad but of all of the powers i actually think being able to talk to like dr doolittle i would totally want to be a dr doolittle and like get to like communicate wow. with animals so to me the deep's power was actually the most attractive because it's not anything and he has the gills so he can swim listen I love being in the ocean, like being at the beach or just in water in general is like my favorite place in the world. And so to be able to like stay out there indefinitely and swim like deep. And I think I would, I would actually really enjoy yeah, that never, now. I would never do that. But also the reading their minds. Yes. Would suck. Especially if you're like in a highly polluted ocean or somewhere with a lot of fishing or something. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do that. Like but the scene where he's trying to buy the lobster cause he wants it to be his friend. And then the guy kills it. That was so tragic. <laughs> Oh, so tragic. And the best part was he has this little like, sneaky look on his face. He's like, yeah, 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 that one. Thinking he's like going to do the secret save mission. And it's like, oh, you helped him meet his demise. Way to go, man. Poor guy. Also, the scene where he's trying to rescue the dolphin from ocean. Oh, wet. my gosh. It's it was so funny. It was so funny. But it also reminded me. So I love the Armchair Expert podcast with Dak Shepard and Monica Padman. Little plug. Um, but they like have, they need a plug from us. They don't need a plug. <laughs> they definitely don't need a plug. But they have a new one where they just like give a prompt to their listeners and have their listeners send in their, their stories that like fit the prompt. And then they pick a few and like we'll do an episode. Um, and the last one that they released was about love stories where it's like a inappropriate or forbidden love and so like there was a story of a guy that like fell in love with his first cousin by marriage like they weren't blood related but the family was like no you know or um i can't remember what the third story was but oh i know it was like a psychiatrist who fell in love with one of her patients but the third story that they did on that episode was about a man who had a spiritual slash sexual encounter with a dolphin at an aquarium and he just 
unashamedly talked about this connection he and the dolphin had and how like it transcended everything and like they just connected on this level and like yes it was like spiritual and sexual and i'm like wait were you in wait, the water no i'm sorry this, this man this man went to an aquarium and wrote he, to the podcast yep. that him and this dolphin had yep. a sexual oh they didn't they didn't actually like consummated they were he was literally at an aquarium and just walked by a glass wall where a dolphin happened to be and they locked eyes and stared at each other for 15 minutes and he said that they connected both spiritually and sexually and i'm like sir first of all first of all if i'm bringing my two-year-old and one-year-old there and i had to see that uh uh-uh pass (laughs) i mean i don't think he was like jerking off at the middle of the aquarium while watching but you can tell when people are looking at things what did you say lasciviously lasciviously i don't know for i was fascinated this man was willing to go on a podcast because like they write in with their story and then monica and dax pick a few and they have them on the podcast no this man was telling the story live well i mean not live but you know recorded like he was talking he was on the podcast yep and i was like i had a lot of questions i had so many questions i don't feel like dax and monica asked as many questions as they possibly could have but i did think they did a wonderful job of not sounding judgmental and letting this man just like tell his story without it being so what, like, how did their love story end? his friend who he was at the aquarium with came up behind him and was like what are you doing and so the dolphin swam away when the person interrupted them and he never saw it again but he did say that he was on a beach later um, with his friends and a pod of dolphins swam really close to them and that had never happened in that spot before and he thinks the dolphins knew that he had like a dolphin spiritual connection <laughs> i was like all right sir i mean okay it was all interesting but that scene when i was rewatching it reminded me of that story because do you remember when the deep turns around he's like all right all right i'll stroke it don't worry like he, cause the yes. dolphins, because they're the writers were playing on the fact that like dolphins are notoriously super horny and oh. yes and oh. for specifically for humans aren't they the only um animals or mammals that have sex for pleasure outside of humans no monkeys do too but but dolphins i think monkeys do not want to have sex with humans dolphins do so like what yes so dax actually brought this up in the episode and i already i knew this like i'd heard it somewhere else but he mentioned specifically there was a study that was done and they had to cancel it because they found out like so they had a woman that was living with a dolphin like she lived in the tank with the dolphin there was like a raised platform with a bed that she would sleep on and then like she'd wake up in the morning and get down in the water with a dolphin and like she lived with it it was like trying it was something about language because dolphins do have a unique language and we haven't deciphered it yet yes and they have different dialects according to the (laughs) deep they're very funny (laughs) i think that's based on like actual science but anyway so this woman was part of an experiment that this scientist was running where she was i think trying to learn either teach the dolphin english or learn whatever but they had to shut the experiment down because like a few weeks into it they found out that the woman was jacking the dolphin off every day because it's the only way she could get the dolphin to cooperate was to like masturbate it before it would like work with her and yeah so they were like well this isn't gonna work and so they just canceled the whole thing but like that's common and dolphins will rape humans like Sorry, what yes the trainers and stuff at those like dolphin encounters and like when dolphins are like kept in captivity and have access to humans they will like almost drown them to rape them like they will like yeah dolphins are weird so i just thought that scene with the deep being like yeah i'll stroke it was like such a funny nod from the writers to the fact that like yeah dolphins are horn dogs so like that might be upsetting if you had the deep's powers to talk to animals and suddenly you're hearing these dolphins be like yeah like you can get it <laughs> or whatever but i did not know that about dolphins 
I feel very differently about my Lisa Frank folders. <laughs> oh now. my gosh, I also had the dolphin Lisa Frank folders. I also had the unicorns, though. I, I feel like I'm learning now. So also ducks have a very interesting sexual prowess that I don't want to go into because ducks. ducks yeah, well, we can talk about it another time. Right. But yeah, that it's upsetting to hear, but I guess it is very animalistic. Okay. <laughs> all right. Good to know about dolphins. Nope. But I felt bad about how funny I thought it was when unexpectedly the dolphin goes Don't over. <laughs> just because it was such a harebrained idea and like it's a dolphin and he brought one tiny spray bottle of water <laughs> to keep him alive. Well, I think that the deep just any scenes with him are always my favorite because He's such an interesting character. Like, he is such an idiot and such an asshole and just, like, a morally bereft human being. But when it comes to fish... And the ocean. And the ocean. He has these redeeming moments where he's like, you know, hey, I had an idea. Can we, like, cancel Ocean Land? Like, they're doing horrible things. The dolphins aren't happy. Like, they're they're hurting the, the animal, you know. And then they're like... You are the spokesperson for Oceanland, like like you dumbass. You know what I mean? Like yes. So it's like he has these little flashes of like goodness, redeeming qualities, somewhat. Or like whenever I you I can't, I don't know how, and I'm gonna call him Nate because I can't remember what his name is. But like Nate Chase Archibald, Crawford. Chase Crawford. That's right. Okay, I still think of him as Nate from Gossip Girl. But okay, so Chase Crawford. Whenever there's the scene where he's seeing um, Starlight on TV talking about her sexual assault, which he realizes was him. You do kind of, like, get a tiny little, like, moment, I think, on his face where it seems like he's realizing that he actually did hurt her and did something wrong. You know? Yeah. Did you get that sense, too? But then it See, really... no, I think it read as, oh, no, my career, this is going to affect my career. I didn't feel like it was any sense of remorse. Was... Oh, okay. No. But also about that scene, I was telling Caroline, when he just exposes himself he naked man's starlight <laughs> goes back to our other episode about how an unexpected penis is never a good penis never a good penis correct yes he totally did naked man her and it was not good you're right also though he totally gets his comeuppance whenever he's sent to like saskatchewan or wherever First of all, it's he is. Sandusky, ohio okay sorry <laughs> where's saskatchewan canada oh sorry okay so yeah he goes to ohio and he's like basically been banished to the middle of nowhere sorry on a sabbatical oh well, a brief break also sorry to sandusky ohio I did not mean to like malign your area but anyway um whenever that girl comes to his room to hook up and is like fucking him he's like stop it hurt stop like i was like well <laughs> i mean karma like terrible he shouldn't be being you know taken advantage of like that and like hurt which also that girl was like freak but kind of i was like you know maybe you'll have some empathy now for what you've been doing to these women i don't know hopefully he will have learned i can't decide if he even has the ability to connect those two yeah he is so stupid he really is not the brightest he's very dumb but like so pretty but very dumb <laughs> yeah he's i don't know if he the light bulb has turned on that he's like oh wait a second i also have a question now that i'm thinking about it about the compound v that they were giving the babies to turn them into soups so presumably he was born without gills then given compound v and then we have grown gills like automatically when he got injected with it 
be. They don't really. I feel like the other heroes or soups don't have like a physical manifestation that makes them different. For well, Popclaw did. She had the claws that came out, and so the okay, the deep has gills. Popclaw has the claws like very wolverine-esque although kamiko is kind of the wolverine because she has the regenerative regenerative powers oh see i would really enjoy a regenerative power i was gonna say of all the i think of all of them kamiko's would be the one i'd want because you don't have to use her super strength or you know mega violence or whatever it is she has but you could totally take advantage of the regeneration she'd make a great firefighter but once again that gets into like have the power you're kind of obligated to use it and like what if you don't want to be a first responder who puts themselves in danger's way because you know you're going to survive it you know what i mean I don't know. yeah i've never really thought about it from the fact of like the great when if you do have those kinds of powers is this this expectation of you should be working 24 7 right like at the end yeah. of the day these people are still human they still have you know they still probably need to eat they need to right. sleep they need to have things that are fulfilling outside of that. So I had actually never thought about it from that aspect of how hard that must be. And I'm sure that's actually why I think you see it a little bit in Maeve of this almost crushing weight of expectations that they're supposed to keep. Okay, speaking of, now that I'm thinking about it, I just noticed something that I want to comment on. Starlight is the only one of all of the seven who ever wears street clothes and goes out and does normal stuff. Well, um, Homelander mentions said something to her i think in the first episode where he's like oh is that your like i can't remember what he calls it is that your alias or like your cover they're all just so famous i think Uh, that they they all just stopped but like you would think like yeah they're famous but they can still like wear a sundress and go to the farmer's market and just be stopped for autograph like do they have are they contractually obligated to keep their uncomfortable spandex uniforms on at all times maybe they just have grown used to it Yes, I just feel like I'd be rearing at the bit to wear yes, some sweatpants. Yes, like imagine how at the end of the day it's so great to take off jeans or, or yeah. a bra. Like imagine yeah. taking off the whole getup that is oh. Maeve and Homelander yes. attire. Oh yeah, they must, sure. oh, they must breathe so well. Oh, speaking of Homelander, we haven't talked about the weird breastfeeding scenes, but... Oh, man, okay. So that was so gross. Madeline Sowell, she's such a type that they have, right? This woman that's very successful in her career, a little cutthroat, but then went off and decided to have her baby, a baby on her own without a, a male partner or any partner. Presumably she's in her 50s, right? I say late 40s, early 40s. I would say late 40s. Okay. That's I don't fair. know. But there is one point where I really relate to her where she's pumping and she's been pumping for a while and she only gets a quarter, I think she said a quarter of an ounce. Ooh. Hurt. <laughs> I felt for her. But yes, that breastfeeding scene was so upset. <laughs> like, well, oh. it all makes so much sense though once you find out that Homelander was grown and raised in a lab and did not ever have a mother. So like yes. their weird dynamic makes so much sense once you realize that and it's like, oh, he is so fucked up. He didn't have any kind of no wonder he's a sociopath. He never had any kind of and nurturing a maternal attachment. or paternal or no. any kind of 
familial love. Do you remember the scene where he's like remembering being in the lab room with the guy at the yes. window, like the scientist and they're playing, playing peekaboo. peekaboo? Oh, that made me, that made me sad. I was watching that, going, I bet this is a scene where Joanne cries. I did cry. <laughs> oh, I can totally see it. I, if I had the ability, probably would have cried at that one. That was so sad. I mean, not that it justifies what he turns into by any means, but it makes it understandable. Yes, like Which, again, I know where, where they, you're coming from. They do a good job of backstory and like you know giving good motivation and like i don't want to i don't want to say humanizing the soups because like that's not what they're doing but you know just like like why are you the way that you are right like that is a genuine human interest about of everyone it's like why are you the way you are why are you very defensive or why are you so happy all the time you know like right i i felt that that was they told his story really well and i felt like at a right pacing but yes him mountain so well Super creepy. I guess I I understand, but what's also really crazy about Madeline is how well she's able to interpret everything. Like, she's very, very convincing and kind of knows how to play to people. I wondered a lot. So, Homelander is shown on several occasions to be able to read people's heart rate and BP just by standing next to them. Yes. And, like, knowing when they're nervous or lying. And so, in the scene where he's kind of confronting her... Yes, about Becca. About Becca. And she is, like, visibly not, like, you know, sweating or, like, nervous. But you can see, like, the way she's responding, it's obvious that she is. But some people are really good liars in that way. Even though it's showing on their face, maybe even just, like, physiologically it's not manifesting. That's what I was wondering. I was like, was he reading her heart rate and, like, not killing her in that moment because she wasn't actually like having an elevated heart rate which like how would you not because he's terrifying yes but- in the, every interaction that you see between him and Maeve him in the deep him and A-Train they all have this look of fear in their eyes oh yeah and these little tiny movements of like wait like flinching yeah no, he's he's very horrifying. The laser eyes especially are very scary. In the scene in the plane where he makes the plane go down because he lasered the terrorist's head off and then, like, hit the instrument panel. Oh. <laughs> no, I was like, Ooh. oh. That whole scene was awful. Ugh. I felt so bad for Maeve on that one. And her character arc in season one is so interesting, but I feel like... They don't do enough to... I mean, you get the general, like, she was forced to be in a relationship with Homelander and is obviously a lesbian, so that was miserable for her. And he's a sociopath, so, like, you know, you get that. And having to date a sociopath and, like, Mm. oh No. No, thank you. But, actually, have I? (laughs) Okay, yeah, maybe. (laughs) I was gonna say, eh, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Still recovering. (laughs) No, but... I don't know. I feel like they could have done a little bit more um, with Maeve's backstory. I don't think you got... Like, I don't know anything about her other than the fact that she had a girlfriend that she loved but couldn't be with because Homelander would murder her. Like, that's all I know about her. I don't know anything about, like, how she was raised, where she's from, you know, anything about her You can tell that she's a little bit jaded, and she has... Moments where she's really tough on Starlight, but then other moments where she's like, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. So I think her arc right really is that. What? Yeah. Yeah. Character arc. Um, is that she used to be like Starlight and now has been so beat down by the machine and the expectations and the pressure that she's kind of just like, okay, like, I guess I'll do it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I 
wanted to call out some numbers that were cited and then put them all into context. Okay. Okay. So they said, right, that the soups business is a multi-billion global industry. Okay. And that they, Homelander himself in one year brought home $12.3 billion to Vought. One of their latest movies was how much? $1.7 billion worldwide for one of their movies. And then Translucent at one point says they all lose $1.2 billion a year in copyright infringement. And the whenever the mayor of Baltimore was bargaining with Madeline on Nubian Prince, mm-hmm. remember the original number was $300 million. Yes. And then they would get 9.5 points of the merchandise that they sold of Nubian Prince. So think about all those numbers, right? Okay. Billions, billions. They gave... They offered $45,000 for Robin. Oh, yeah. So I think about, I mean, obviously I don't like to put a number to anyone's death, but I think comparing them directly like that is really interesting. And I was trying to do the math on it of, they said there's about 200 superheroes in the Vought family. So I'm assuming that there's other groups of, you know, superhero conglomerates or companies or whatever. So 200 of them, right? And then that, Hundreds of people are killed each year by soups. So if we multiply 200 superheroes, let's just say when they say hundreds, though, that's kind of it could be anywhere from 100 ish to 900. So let's cut that and say 450. So that means every year they're killing about, is that right? 200 superheroes times 450? Wait, wait, wait. I don't think they were saying each soup kills hundreds of people. I think they were saying in general soups overall kill hundreds of people a year, right? Yeah, you're right. So the math is a little bit goofy, but that means like thousands of people die every year. I don't know. I'd have to do the math on it because then if we multiply the $45,000 for Robin, like I'd be interested to see then the collateral damage they see to pay out for victims compared to what they intake. I don't know. I just thought that that was, I'm, if you guys did not know, I worked in corporate sales. So I work a lot with numbers. So whenever they started talking about these numbers, I wrote them down and I felt like it was very stark comparing all of it. Also, I love that the show in general is like making fun a little bit of obviously the VCU, like the VOT, all that. Oh my gosh, Vodify. Vodify. Vodify, yes. So, like, I love that they're they're poking fun at the fact that, like, any Marvel movie you go see, the collateral damage in, in, like, even just a small fight scene, you know, the Hulk in the streets of New York City fighting, like, one, I don't know, lizard person or something, is going to be astronomically expensive. And it's never addressed. <laughs> so, like, the MCU just, like wreaks havoc on global economies basically yes, and like they never homes. talk about it oh yeah. yeah yeah like just skyscrapers constantly being obliterated and Bars. like yes so like massive 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 problems and so like i love that this pokes fun at that but like in such a way that it's like the human cost rather than the um you know like material cost of buildings property damage. So, yeah property damage it's just like how many people did you destroy today? Blah, blah blah. Or they talk about you know like the damage of like you are down five points with the female demographic right now, deep yes. or whatever it is. Yes, it know? reminds me a lot of politicians, right? That's yeah. saying like, "Yep, you're up. You're polling really well here." And I went to college where 
my a group of my professors was very into polling for elections so for me that just took me back of like yep they poll really well with women (laughs) or they only poll well with like college educated women and I am innately fascinated by is it the cute what score is it you score is that it no it's isn't it the score that's like how quote likable you are to audiences yeah can't yes. remember what it is but I've always been fascinated by like oh how did you test on television people like you or don't like you and as someone that's very sensitive <laughs> that would kill me because I'm like everybody likes me I'm like you don't like me just get to know me and I will you will like me I was like I will make sure of it <laughs> I will make sure of it yeah I wouldn't I would not be meant for a life of like judgment from random strangers by any means that would be my worst nightmare um there's it i will say in like the later seasons like in season two and season three they really go deeper into all the points and the polling and stuff and it's so funny like they really play into that and but i love that they do that like they take these like real world things that are happening they're kind of like the law and order svu of tv shows that are like about global issues because you know like in law and order svu you'll see a real like you know um like a casey anthony kind of case and then next year there's an episode of law and order svu that does the exact same storyline like they take from real headlines that's kind of what the boys does on like a grander scale so like season one is obviously like militarization and you know terrorism because like 2019 we were still kind of in that this was obviously pre-pandemic and it was like you know budgetary spending like military spending like we're going into that we're going into like just the influencer world like they're really hitting home like you know your popularity is only as good as like what your social media following is and like how we monetize that and blah 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 and then in later seasons it gets into like you know fake news and like white supremacy and stuff so it's just interesting that they like they take things from the headlines at the time they're filming the season and like really make the storylines about that so i like that a lot in a show i think it's fun yeah i like that okay so circling back q score also known as a q rating is a measurement of the familiarity and appeal of a brand celebrity company or entertainment product it's only used in the u.s the higher the q score the more highly regarded the item or person is Q scores are other are used by advertisers, marketers, media, and public relations industry. So, like, if you have a high Q score, like, you want to capitalize on that. So, anyways, I'm interested to see. Yeah, to your point, I love how they do polling and like, oh yeah, yeah. you really resonate with this demographic, and um, I, I'm I'm fascinated endlessly by that kind of information. Oh, same. It is interesting. Okay, we haven't talked about translucent at all, but whenever translucent was like in episodes one and two he reminded me a little bit of in our last story with the flasher that we both had and i was like he seems like the kind of guy who if he didn't have the translucent power to like perv on women while naked in the women's bathroom or whatever it is he's constantly doing would probably be out there flashing women he struck me as one of those oh i see it and like he's constantly hanging out in the women's bathroom and at one point in time, Maeve was like, he's probably hanging out at a gynecologist's office. Yeah. And I was just floored. Imagine Ugh. if someone's like, oh, yeah, this is the person I'm dating is someone would make a joke like that about them. He, uh-huh. I 
feel as if we, we don't know a lot about him, obviously, because he gets murdered fairly early on in the season and we get little bits of him. TNT up the ass or what? C4 up the ass? Yeah. I will say that scene where Huey pulls the trigger was like... Redemptive? What is the word? No, it was. I just thought it was so good because it goes. It's one of those moments where Huey looks like he's about to lose his shit, and then instead he just starts cleaning up and he's totally fine. And he even later talks about how like he felt a rush when he did it. And interestingly, so actually I forgot to write this in my notes to talk about, but I wanted to talk about this. So Huey kills Translucent. He pulls the trigger on the bomb, does it deliberately, like very intentionally murders him in that moment, and doesn't freak out it looks like he should he's covered in gore and standing there kind of like shaking and breathing hard but again doesn't freak out just like handles it and he obviously has ptsd like whenever him and starlight are bowling and the bowling pins make the loud noises and he's kind of like flipping out you know so it's not that he's unaffected but he says later and i can't recall who he's talking to in the scene but i think it might have been mother's milk but he's talking about how i don't know how to feel about the fact that i thought it would bother me but in that moment, all I really felt was like a rush. And I had just, before I started watching this, I had just finished a book about Navy SEALs and it was written by Navy SEAL. And something that they kind of talk about is that like one of the biggest problem or not problems, but just like almost like secrets of like soldiers who have to kill people in battle that they like can't really talk about with civilians or like their family and it's like part of the reason they need we need better therapy services obviously for veterans um but one of the things that like they have that they can't really talk about is that there is a rush in taking a life like they're like it's a weird like you know you can feel guilty about it you can feel whatever but also in that moment it is kind of exhilarating and that they have to deal with that but like it's a very common reaction among soldiers to have that feeling of like it's kind of a rush to take a human life and then they have to come back and be normal and it's like a total mind fuck for them which is so sad but also it makes sense you know so I thought that was interesting that the writers kind of included that for Huey's character which is like I think probably if there are people watching the show that are veterans or whatever probably really related to that because it sounds like that's kind of a common I was unaware of that I was until I read the Navy SEAL book and it talked about it and you know it it talked like the guy who wrote it um, actually, the reason I read this book, it was called The Terminalist by Jack Carr, it, former Navy SEAL, is because they're about to have a show starring Chris Pratt on Amazon Prime um, based on this book. And it, the trailer looks so good. I'm sorry. I really like Chris Pratt. <laughs> and I love like military shows and Navy SEAL stuff. So I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, the book was good, but it was not my normal read. But I liked it anyway. A lot of pages of gun specs. So, you know, if you're not into three pages of hearing about how a Glock functions you might not like it but otherwise but that part of it was really interesting to me and it, I mean I get it I can see how that would be a thing I see it because right it's an element of safety and danger for yourself yeah right so like in that moment they are posing a risk to your life well not your livelihood to your life right and by overcoming that I'm sure it feels very good to know now know you are no longer in immediate danger right. so I don't know I had never thought about that. I can see where it comes from psychologically. Yes, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like I can see, but I can also see how it would completely fuck a person up because normally, because they're like uh, morally, they yes, don't. Yes, and yeah. so it's like they're having to reconcile. But that's kind of like um, it's very similar to 
like a woman who's been sexually assaulted and she's like but my body reacted but like I don't understand and like has a like guilt about the fact that her body and I'm like it's physiological it has nothing to do with your mind or like what you personally like and morally feel or whatever it's just like our brains have chemicals and neurotransmitters and shit that's going on that are completely outside of our control right so oh. I was like I can kind of see it the same way as that like totally understandable and also probably very like devastating as a person yeah I bet it is so that was I thought that was nice they included that for Huey because it's just like kind of I don't know humanizing him even more (laughs) even though he is like the quintessential human of the show this is okay when you first heard about compound v what did you think it was in like the first episode when the mayor of baltimore was like i heard a rumor about compound v um i don't know i don't know if i had a guess i think i assumed it was gonna be some sort of I think I did think it'll probably be something that makes someone into a superhero. I don't think I thought of it as like a steroid for superheroes, though. Got it. I thought it was like Area 51. Oh, like a like place. Like a compound. Compa- oh, like a gotcha, place. Gotcha, and gotcha, I was gotcha. like, oh. I, I, so that was really interesting <laughs> to me. And I was like, oh, wait, this is totally different than what I thought it was. Um <laughs> One funny part that I thought was interesting was whenever Billy Butcher, by the way, he is very good at breaking into places that he should not. And (laughs) like normal security doesn't bother him. But when he breaks into Rainer's house and somehow they they talk about how something about an edible arrangement, I think that. Yes. And I was just laughing so hard because it's such a random tidbit. But I thought about it and I was like, oh, for edible arrangements, I feel like you need to know the person really well to send an edible arrangement <laughs> because not everybody likes fruit. Yeah, that's true. I would be pissed if I got an edible I know, and like I was thinking of you, Caroline, because you know. hate fruit. But I also, I love fruit, but I would also be like, this is a really overpriced <laughs> fruit. And then also someone like had to work really hard to make these into shapes and flowers. Here's what I don't understand about an edible arrangement. And this is such a tangent. But once you've cut a fruit, it doesn't stay fresh that long, right? So like once they've like, you know, balled the melon ball and made a flower out of it, like how long can that just be in the open air and be edible and not go bad? It seems like a very like short-lived window. Yeah, they stick it in the fridge and then it's Mm. the very finite delivery times. Yeah. And it is because I have sent an edible arrangement to someone i think i actually have i think <laughs> i don't know if she listens to this but if she does hello jenny i'm not making fun of you i swear but i think that when my dad um first started dating my stepmom who we love but she at one point i think sent an edible arrangement to me for something and i remember being like you have to be thankful and you have to like say thank you but also how do you politely say like hey Never get don't me one, give of, these me one again. of these again because I don't eat fruit. Like I didn't know how to. I don't know. I think she knows now. She definitely hasn't done it since. Maybe I even just said that. I probably was just like, listen, thank you so much, but also like, not for me. I don't know. It was funny. Um, I love that Haley Joel Osment. Oh yes, made an Mesmer. appearance as me- sorry mesmerizer, but they call him mesmer. Oh yeah, 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 mesmerizer. But I loved. I'm f- obviously I would not want his talent, like I mentioned, or his superhero no. ability. But it must hurt 
his process because remember when he reads Kamiko and she looks like she's oh yeah I don't know if it's like physically painful or if it's the moment is like a I think that it was psychologically because whenever he was at the meet and greet doing autographs whenever um Mother's Milk eventually like you know contacted him and tracked him down he would just hold the people's hand and like you know they would do like the guess what number I'm thinking and that didn't look painful so I imagine it's like what they're remembering that's painful got it okay because when she snaps his wrist i was like oh does it hurt but no to your point no yeah and i I think i don't know if it hurt him to see her terrible memories either i don't know that would be such a bad that would be such a bad power i've always said if i could have any superpower like just magically granted whatever power in the world i want real imaginary whatever you know what i would pick pick flying but what would you pick i would pick the ability to sing not even like be the best singer in the world or anything like that just the ability to sing because there's no downside and i love to sing so much i sing all day every day i sing everything i'm doing i'm constantly singing and i can't carry a tune in a bucket so it is painful for the people around me sometimes it's painful for myself because i can tell how bad it is you know what i mean and so i'm like i would you could want- be a siren Oh, maybe. That'd be kind of fun. But I literally would not want a superpower. I wouldn't want super strength because, again, the responsibility. Like, you feel like you have to do stuff. And then flying, scared of heights, don't like to be cold. The air is thin. Bugs in your teeth. Can't have bangs. There's like a million and one reasons why I think flying would be terrible. (laughs) So I love it. No, and like invisibility. I would turn into a criminal. I mean, as much as I think that translucent was a complete perv, how could you not take advantage of that power? Like, I think I'm not saying I'd take advantage to like go creep on penises <laughs> because again, <laughs> again, most penises like you don't want to see that. Like that's not a, that's not a thing. But I would probably like go steal shit if I could. You know, I mean, if you had the ability to just walk in the world completely undetected, would you not do some crazy shit? Like, not even necessarily criminal in like a theft way, but just like go places you absolutely should not be Um, sitting on meetings you should not have access to you know what i mean i would probably if i had invisibility as mine i would be a private detective oh my gosh i think all the time this is so weird so we love true crime and i all this is my wish if we ever get time travel and i ever get the ability to use it i hope that it coincides with invisibility because i don't want to change the past but i have so many locations and dates memorized of where crimes happened that have not been solved that if i could go back in time and be in the fly on the wall invisibly i would watch it and see who did it like michael peterson specifically i'm like i would go back and sit in that kitchen and watch that staircase and see what the heck happened to his wife because like it was the owl i think it was the owl too like i'm honestly convinced i know that i am biased because i listened to a podcast that was heavy on the the owl owl. same same the owl theory is like they didn't even touch on it in the staircase on netflix but no okay that's so funny because i remember one of our best friends was asking me about this case and I was like, oh yeah, have they talked about the owl yet? <laughs> like, she no, was like, I don't. have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, wait, this is about this murder, right? And she's like, yeah. I was like, they don't talk about an owl at all. But I had not watched the series yes. and I was very confused and she was very confused. <laughs> I know. I like, I mean, okay, that one is one that I definitely would do. Um, the other Peterson, the one, uh, Lacey Peterson. I mean, we're pretty sure. Is it Lacey Peterson? What's the one where she was found just her torso and the baby had like fishing wire and it was like in the San Francisco Sound? He had had the mistress 
And oh, I thought that this was Lacey. Okay, okay. There, no, I need to send you this podcast episode because there, there is some doubt there. Like, just he was a complete slime ball of a human being. There's nothing redeemable or nice about him. But alibi wise and physical evidence wise, there is there is an argument to be made that he did not do it. And at the same time her case happened, there were like three other pregnant women that went missing in that area. So I'm just saying I would love to be a fly on the wall for that one and see what happened with that. I would love to do the Michael Peterson one because, again, I personally believe it was an owl, but, you know, we don't know. I'm just like, we're not sure. I don't know. There's like a running list in my head of true crime that I would be invisible and watch and see who did it. Which, like, that would be hard because you would want to interfere. But oh, Absolutely. Like, but I think that I could be objective and be like, nope, this already happened. I'm, I've gone back in time. I'm not going to mess with it. We're just going to see what happened for my own patient because I hate unsolved mysteries. Like, I want to know. But anyway, sorry. Um, okay, so you would fly. I would sing. <laughs> sing? I, yeah, I don't know. There's just a downside to all the other ones. I mean, Starlight's power is probably the only one that doesn't have, like, an obvious downside because she's basically just, what, like, power manipulation? Like, electricity? Yeah, but then I guess you'd probably, she's also strong, so yeah, she wouldn't maybe true. feel the responsibility to go out and fight crime frequently. That's true. It seems like they all have super strength regardless of what their actual yes, power is. Yes, all of them have, like, super strength, agility. Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that responsibility. Nope. The stretchy guy, Ezekiel, though, that might be fun. <laughs> I don't know. Like, being able to reach anything. Maybe I'd, like, work at an Amazon warehouse and be like, you don't need a forklift. <laughs> like, I'll get it from the top shelf. <laughs> I wonder if it comes with super strength. I don't know. It didn't really say. What? I don't think it What kind of... Okay, this is me just being stupid, but... Or ignorant, maybe. What are the bonuses of being super stretchy? Other than, Remember when Huey was like, we had a threesome, and your penis did things in my butt. First of all, I have have a note here that says, you played my butt like jazz. That was the scene where I was like, Huey, you're an improvisational, good under fire genius. Like, that little speech he gave him so good so, so good so hysterical too i was like how have you not been a super spy your whole life you were wasted at the technology store <laughs> like no he's so good under pressure i would never have thought of that but yes that writing and that seems just Very phenomenal good. great writing <laughs> but also wait what would be the bonuses of being stretchy i mean i literally can only think of like being able to reach in weird places or like octopus style you could probably escape oh. anywhere you could squeeze through things um you could tie people up or you can serve as a net there okay there was he's based on so first of all i don't think we've mentioned the boys is based on a comic book series yes it is. and i did not i don't think realize that until like recently and it's not one that i've ever read i'm not really into the only comics i've ever read are the buffy continuations um the dark horse comics but i've never read like a Superman comic or whatever. Oh, fun fact, I have. You have? Yes, I have because my sibling is really and so really? he had some, so I've read a couple. Oh, that's actually really cool. Um I have not. And so I didn't know that this was based on a comic, but um it's We actually like... have a copy uh signed by Stan Lee. Really? Oh, that's cool. Is it like in a protective sleeve? Is it worth a lot? I don't know how much it's worth. We, but now that it was dead, gifted to us. It's probably worth a lot. Um but Anyway, so all of the characters are based on actual superheroes, like in yes. other comic books. So the Homelander's Captain America. Yes, and yep. then or Superman. He's kind of a mix. Oh, Superman, yeah. Yeah, and then like Maeve is Wonder Woman. Yep, and, absolutely. Um, kind of. I think Starlight's like Captain Marvel, maybe. 
mentioned that she was a mix and yeah of something um, but the stretchy guy is equal there is a superhero and i don't know if it's dc or marvel that was like elastic man or something and that's i'm that's not the name that's not right but it was like one of the old-fashioned superheroes like from the 50s or 60s and they would make do you remember stretch armstrong that's what it is stretch armstrong and so that was like do you remember the toy that you could like stretch i do but then what what purpose does it help in solving and preventing and I mean, for crime i'm just curious i'm genuinely curious i think have they're to like elastic so they like work as like a boomerang or like if someone's like running they could like okay that's one stretch themselves across the road and the person would run into them and they'd like spring you know like as a net okay yeah okay. like as a net i think that that was kind very, of very very narrow and specific of a yeah need. you definitely have to be an ensemble you wouldn't be the star you know what there was one of those on um the flash the newer flash with grant gustin I can't remember what the character's name was, but they were stretchy. And maybe they died. I don't know. It's been a long time since I watched The Flash. But um, The Flash is DC. So I guess it was a DC superhero that had the stretchy ability. Don't know. And the cry count? Yes. What was your cry count on this one? If oh Wait, should I guess first? Yes. Just based on how like it's mostly comedic, but there are some touching moments. I'm going to go higher than I think I should. I'm going to say nine. Very close, seven. Oh, I was gonna say six originally. Dang it! First, yep. you first you mentioned a few the of them, but um, three that stood out to me what or four maybe when Louis's dad was telling him to stop fighting for Robin because he said you don't have the fight left in you, and I just felt like as a parent telling your child who they are and are not and especially painting them in a way that's like you're not fit for this world that you're not a fighter that really touched me starlight wanting to tell her mom about what happened um the transatlantic flight obviously whenever mave is trying to save that mother-daughter duo that was so sad and then when mesmer got his visit with his daughter chloe and how obviously he was so happy but she was so like i don't know you I can't dislike you because I don't know you. The scene where he's calling the social worker and is like, hey, don't worry about it. Like, you don't have to bring her out. I could tell she was just doing it to be polite. That almost made me cry. That was sad. I didn't cry at that one, but it was 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 very disappointing. So a a mere seven times for eight episodes. That's good. But like... That makes sense because it really is. I keep calling it a comedy and everyone's like, no, it's not a comedy, Caroline. It's like a dramatic da da da. And I'm like, no, to me, it's a comedy. It's so over the top and ridiculous. Like, it's like satirical, I guess is the word. Satirical is probably the right word. Don't be, I mean, I guess if you've already listened, this seems a little bit silly, but don't be put off by the fact that it's superheroes. I think it's so much more than that. It is. It really is. And this is how I feel about all sci-fi. I love the genre of sci-fi sci-fi channel specifically has some of the best shows that have ever been made in my opinion but people are scared off by them because they're like ew i don't want to watch like space aliens or i don't want to like i don't give a shit about like you know mutants or whatever it is but the thing that sci-fi does so well and that things like this show do so well is they talk about like current issues anyone who's ever watched star trek will know this they talk about like current issues and put it in the context of some like fantastical world or whatever but they're talking about like actual human present issues in a really interesting way and so like drawing attention to things 
fictionally, right? Without it being like in your face, like we are doing a political drama and it is going to be based on like Trump and the Proud Boys or whatever. Instead of doing that, you get superheroes who, you know, are full of themselves and think they can't fail and that the whole world loves them and are just, you know what I mean? And so like you get those really fun parallels and it's just done in an interesting way. So personally, I think everyone should watch more sci-fi and fantasy stuff just because like that's the point of it. Don't let the label fool you. Don't let it fool you. I'm glad that you didn't and that you gave it a chance. And Yeah, and I'm really excited to watch the rest of the seasons and I know you you've been exuberant, effusive about seasons two and three. So yes. I'm excited and Jake is very happy because Jake has had to watch a lot of uh, Bridgerton and reality TV and he's done it with a smile, but he's very, very happy about this series. Good. I'm glad. Glad I could make a good recommendation. Next stop is just getting y'all to watch Buffy, but that may never happen. I don't know. Maybe. I'm trying to think. So I've gotten y'all to watch Veronica Mars which you liked. Never have I ever. Never have I ever. And I think the boys are the big three that I was like, please watch these. And you did. What have y'all got me to watch? Oh, Southern Charm. Yes. Yes. Oh, listen. Southern Charm. Shep. Love him. Love you, Shep. Love him. I do. Craig, good luck with your pillows. Love them too. Craig is so fun. I like Craig. I did. I I have a shirt that says Craig is my lawyer. <laughs> I don't know. I like Craig. When did you get that? Jenny got it for me because she loves Southern Charm too. And so she was getting shirts and she's like, do you want one? I was like, well, heck yeah. I wear it all the time. It's a great shirt. It's like one of those like nice soft t-shirts. But anyway, our next episode will not be on boys season two, but we'll get around to it for sure because it's definitely worth, worth the watch. But anyway. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.